Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. These accidents will happen. And always with my China. Hello and welcome to another nautical episode of Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast. Now, this is the companion podcast for exploring the world of Hyacinth Bouquet in the hit BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. My name's Jonathan Vernon-Smith and with me, shoving a prune surprise, one bite canopy in his mouth, is William Hansen. Hello. Yes, we are here because, as you know, we absolutely love Hyacinth and her world and keeping up appearances, and we want you to love it as much as we do. As you should know by now, in each episode of this luxury podcast, William and I will take you through an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, delving deep into the world of the bouquets. Today is the fourth episode of the fourth series. Do take us through the synopsis, please, William. Hyacinth volunteers Richard and herself to pick up the Ladies' Luncheon Club's celebrity speaker at the railway station, only to experience horrendous problems. <laughs> Daisy tries to get amorous with Onslow, who manages to get away by offering to assist Rose in her new role of selling jewellery door-to-door. Short one today. It is short synopsis. Uh, we begin the episode not in bed. Makes a change. Yes, for the first time in several episodes. Instead, they are leaving Wayne Elm in the rover. Yes, it's uh, and Hyacinth is in which outfit that we have seen her in before? Ooh. She's in her driving Mrs Fortescue outfit. Is she really? Yes. I'll tell you what struck me more than Hyacinth's outfit. I know what you're going to say. Richard's not wearing a hat. No. Where's it, his hat? It, I watched it and I went, something's odd with this scene. Mm. No hat. So bizarre. It is a bit weird, it isn't it? It is always in a hat. Always got a hat on. Why would she let him leave the house without all, a hat on? And also, not only no hat, his hair's a bit sort of fly away. Yes. It's a bit sort of stuffy. Yes. Very un- He looks quite relaxed and carefree, doesn't he, old yes. Richard? He's enjoying retirement. <laughs> he certainly is. They're on the way to Hyacinth's luncheon club. At the Manor House function rooms. Yes. They rely on me so. Onslow and Daisy, of course, as per usual, are in bed. Yes. So we do go back to their bedroom. Yes. Yes. They're always in bed, let's be honest. They're either in bed or watching television. Yeah, I love... Well, that's because they've only got two rooms in their house. Well, they've got the kitchen that we do see. Occasionally. Occasionally, yes. I like Daisy's as she's reading her love story. I love the fact her leg's going under the bed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. With excitement. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I assume it's her leg, but I mean, I don't know. Something's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her little feet. Yeah. Wiggling her feet about with excitement. It's quite fun. We cut to the luncheon club. The women from the luncheon club. What I like is the fact that I would say that these ladies are all like Hyacinth as well. Mm. They're all, they all put each other down. They're all aspirational. So at least Hyacinth does it and she's funny. Yes. They're discussing the Commodore. Yes, the internationally acclaimed round-the-world yachtsman. You see, even that, that's what they say. 
is a bit hyacinth because they're not just going, he's a sailor or he's a Commodore. He's an internationally acclaimed round the world yachtsman. Yes, they're all clearly impressed by him and his status. At which point who arrives but our good friend Hyacinth. And some of them scatter. They do. Like mice. (laughs) Well, all of them scatter bar Bar one. one. Yes, by the chair, chair lady. And then... The line that I say sometimes when I come into rooms and there's only one person and nobody ever gets it. Goodness me, not even a quorum. Hyacinth offers to pick the Commodore up from mm. the station, I think is all we really need to conclude from that episode or for the, from that particular scene. No, yeah, and Richard's outside listening to music, relaxing in his, uh, you know, very breathable head with no, no hat on. Hyacinth's showing the photos of Sheridan, of course. Um... She references, however, there's some sort of incident with Sheridan and fire. I think she references, doesn't yes, she? she does. Single-handedly and with one match, she completely destroyed the potting shed. I can't remember whether on our luxury podcast we've ever talked about your own experiences with fire. Well, there have been several. Would you like to go into any of them? Well, are you talking about when I set my brother on fire? Yes. Right. Is that your favourite, is it? Well, I mean, it's hard to top that, Jonathan. Well... There have been a, a few instances mm. of of fire. I was, in many ways, a child arsonist. <laughs> I was. I was obsessed with fire when I was a kid. I don't know why. But my brother and I, we were staying at my grandparents, mm. and they were having a nap, probably because, you know, children are exhausting. Yeah, and old. And when you're grandparents, you know, you're, you do find your grandchildren tiring. Mm. Um, so they were having a nap. So, of course, while they were asleep, I decided that it would be a good idea for my brother and I to build a petrol bomb in their garden. So with a tank of petrol, some string and a box of matches. And how old were you? Um, uh, so my brother would have been about four or five. So I would have been about seven or eight. Right. And so with... The matches, the petrol, the string. We created a petrol bomb, which involved um, me lighting the string that was going across the garden into the petrol. It's not funny. And but as I lit the string, it was gardening string, my granddad's gardening string. Mm. As I lit the string, it just kept going out. So I suggested my brother, who is holding the (laughs) petrol, should sluice a bit of petrol along the string. But, of course, what I hadn't factored in, and this is, don't try this at home, ladies and gentlemen, because it's very dangerous. What I hadn't factored in is that petrol fumes are very flammable. Yeah. So as he slooshed the petrol over the string, the the vapour ignited, the petrol went all over his arm, and he was like a human (laughs) torch. Now, I don't know why you find this so amusing. Because to see one's young brother on fire in your grandparents' garden is a... It's a terrifying sight. And, of course, I, being a child, was absolutely no use. Because rather than being practical and helping him extinguish the flames, I just did laps of the garden screaming. (laughs) You were both flaming. Yeah. And I just remember my, my grandfather... I mean, they were horrified. Can you imagine? Uh, They're looking after the grandchildren and they've set themselves on fire. (laughs) And my granddad drove us to Barnet Hospital. Which your your brother extinguished by this point. My brother, yes, but the skin was all hanging off his arm, like great big flaps of it all hanging off. 
And so my, me and my brother are in the back of the car, my granddad's Volvo 340, and my granddad was smacking me through the seats on the leg all the way to Barnet Hospital to the extent that by the time we got to Barnet Hospital, my leg required more assistance than my brother's arm. <laughs> well, I'm so pleased you found it entertaining. Yeah. It's my brother on fire. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've obviously met Chris and I've never looked at his arm because I think he was sleeved. But how is his arm now? Well, with the prosthetics, you've got... <laughs> So wicked, you can barely tell. <laughs> oh, poor chap. Lovely. Anyway, how did we get on to that? <laughs> Sheridan had done something. Oh, yeah, Sheridan was a child arsonist as well. Yes, but luckily an only child. Oh, so, yes. yes. So no no other siblings were hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a nice boating reference, a little, little bit of a callback to Series 3. My husband and I go boating occasionally. <laughs> yes. Obviously that went well. Mm, it did. Yes. Uh, Rose, Onslow and Daisy are in the house. Rose mm. is off to work. And it becomes apparent that her job this time, in the last episode, obviously, she was writing her memoirs. Yes. This episode, she's going door-to-door selling jewellery. Yes, and she's in that sort of uh, blue-black sort of patterned suit, very short skirt with the travelling case. Yes. Uh, and, of course, Daisy starts to get a bit fresh, and that motivates Onslow to go on and help his sister-in-law. Yes, he volunteers to drive her. But again, another slightly incidental scene. Although I do quite like the, the little thing that happens later, which yes. we'll come on to with Onslow. That's good. Hyacinth is above committees, she proudly tells Liz. Uh, she she doesn't do committees. She is sort of she is one above a committee. We cut to Hyacinth's living room. Yes. She's doing a bit of light dusting. Can we talk about her dusting technique? We can. Did and you notice? Can... And did you notice her cloth? Mm. Yeah, what yellow? A yellow old fashioned cloth. You know I'm a lover of a microfiber. Yeah, but were microfibers a thing in the 90s? No. No. No microfibers existed. No. Those old-fashioned dusters. Do you still use an old-fashioned duster? Not quite as fluffy as those. No, I no. hate them because the little bits go everywhere. That's the beauty of a microfiber. You yes. can wash them and you don't get bits everywhere. No lint. No, no lint flying off. Her dusting technique... Yes, this is not how Hyacinth would actually dust Patricia Outledge. No. Sorry, Dame Patricia. No. She doesn't move things to dust. She dusts around things. And also, she's spraying the furniture and not spraying the cloth. Oh, yes. Now, true. for those that do dusting at home, if you spray your furniture with your aerosol, that's wrong. Mm. Spray the cloth, then dust. Yes. Or wipe or whatever you're doing. That's true. Yeah. A well, lovely odd. tip. Yes. That's beautiful. We, lo- we haven't done cleaning chat on this for a while. We haven't. No, how are your Spanish what cleaning do you, Well, let's talk dusting. Mm. So, dusting, mm. um, are, what do you use on your furniture? A duster. Yeah. Well, or a microfiber. Microfiber. Yeah, some yeah. sort of dusting cloth. Yes. Um, I'll often do a dry dust first oh, to okay. take off surface dust. Yeah. 
uh, or ever so slightly damp cloth. Yes. So then you don't flick it everywhere. Yes. There's a very nice Spanish product, actually, oh. that I could put you in touch with that is a wooden furniture liquid that you mix with water oh. to make a damp cloth. So, And you can actually do your dusting with the damp cloth. Oh, and then you, do you have to buff it off afterwards? You can do if you wish, but it leaves it quite nice. And there's a lovely scent. Oh, what's it called? Um, well, I'll have to... There's a few different types. Oh. They're all a kind of orangey-coloured liquid. Okay. Um, and they're all Spanish, so I'll have to work out what the name is. And are they fine for all different types of wood? Lacquered and unlacquered? But, well, well, I think I'd be careful about using it on very expensive wood. Yes, wouldn't be a problem with you. No, for um, veneered <laughs> furniture, you'd find it absolutely tickety-boo. Yes. Mm. Okay, fine. Um, yes, yeah, so I do that, and then I use a Swiffer for my walls. Do you have a Swiffer for your walls? A Swiffer? Yeah, so sort of, it is yellow and fluffy, and you can take it off the sort of the rod inside and pop that in the wash. Oh, I don't have one That's of those. It's a flat thing. Oh. No, if I'm going to vacuum my wall, uh, dust my walls, I do it with the vacuum. Oh. I have a dusting attachment for the vacuum cleaner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. No, I use a Swiffer. Because then you suck it all up. No, I just, yeah, but I just flick it onto the floor and then vacuum. Oh, gosh. You don't care. We also, talking of dust... We have a um, air purifier now. Well, I last time I came to your property yes. and um, you took me into your bedroom. Yes. Um, purely to show me your... Well, I mean, it looks like the Pentagon in there. What's, <laughs> you've got so much equipment in there now. What's going on? Yes. Uh, it's like an ICU. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, God forbid anything happens... <laughs> One of us has to go on life <laughs> support. There's not going to be any room fit for it. The equipment no. in there. What's going on? You've got a an air conditioning system. An air conditioning and dehumidifier. And dehumidifier. That's one. That's on my side of the bed. And what's that other machine on on, on Mike's side, side of the bed? What's it's that? the air purifier. Well, that's the air purifier. Yes. Lovely. So there's literally. I mean, it might. Our beautiful. We got the bedroom redone, painted new cushions, yeah. changed the door furniture on the uh, wardrobes, etc. And it's mission control in the in it, the bedroom. It really is. All the free floor space is taken yeah. up with a machine. It's like an episode of Casualty <laughs> going into your bedroom. <laughs> but we've got very pure air. Have you? Have you yes. noticed any difference? I th apparently, it's helping Mikey with the, his breathing at night. And what about your noisy nostrils? Has it assisted them? Oh, you can still hear them. Silent. <laughs> uh, anyway, dusting, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no other podcaster they talk about dusting oh thank goodness yes um we hear a first reference to their golden galleon glasses which they got when they were invited aboard the mary rose yes when we bring the commodore here for a sherry on the way to the luncheon I shall use our golden galleon glasses. The ones we were given when we were invited on board the Mary Rose. <laughs> we didn't go on board. We bought tickets to see what's left of the hull. Don't be pedantic, Richard. Now, these golden galleon glasses, in Harold Snow's book, mm. he wrote those because originally, apparently, Roy Clark had written that they were glasses from Frinton-on-Sea, which is quite a smart... Uh, seaside resort with Frinton on Sea written on them, mm. and he said no. But Hyacinth would never have bought those because you wouldn't have them etched Frinton on Sea, even however smart Frinton might be. You don't have that etched on the actual no. um, 
on the thing. So he, he changed them to these um, golden galleon glasses once he had run that past Roy Clark via the script supervisor, Christopher Bond, who right. we know was the, the two-way guy. Also, when Hyacinth is dusting, why is there a bowl of fruit in the sitting room? She moves the bowl of fruit. Why have a bowl of fruit? Yes. Surely that's a kitchen thing. Mm, yes. I'm just trying to think if I've ever been to anyone's house with fruit in the living room. That's very odd. I think, yes, I think now you mention it, on a kitchen table. Mm. You'd find it on a kitchen table. Or if you had like a, you know, an open plan kitchen sitting room, maybe. But that's a formal sitting room. Mm. Very odd. Well, if you fancied a banana, William, while you were around there, you'd help yourself, couldn't you? Yes, and I'd eat it beautifully. You would. Yes. Absolutely beautifully. Emmett has arrived home. And Hyacinth pops out the front door and immediately invites him and Liz in for a coffee. After singing a sea shanty. <laughs> yes. Coffee in ten minutes, Emma. Bring Elizabeth. You must both come and hear my very important plans for the Commodore. Uh, and Hyacinth wants to know whether they should put some, put some flags out. Mm. But they've only got the Chinese flag. They have. They, we've cut to the kitchen. Mm. And um, Hyacinth is there. Emmett's there. Elizabeth is there, poor old Richard is there, and Hyacinth sings at that particular moment one of my favourite songs that she ever performs yep. in Keeping Up Appearances. As we know, Hyacinth has a beautiful voice. Beautiful. Really, Patricia Routledge does have a beautiful voice. Un- I would say unparalleled. Um, Hyacinth begins to sing. Do you want to give us a rendition? Hip, 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 happy talk. And then she walks over to the cupboard. Silence. Elizabeth goes to have a mouthful of her coffee. Talk about things you like. And she goes for it, doesn't she? It's great. At which point the coffee almost goes for a burden. Yes. But it doesn't. No, exactly. Um, and uh, and she, she had, refer- getting into that song, she'd said, oh, when she, they've got the Chinese flag because they did songs from The King and I, which as Richard correctly says was Siam, now mm. referred to as Thailand. Um, but actually... Happy Talks from South Pacific. South Pacific, yeah. Yeah, so there's a good... I've lost it now. It used to be on YouTube, but two other people that we quite like, Hinge and Brackett. Mm-hmm. Um, Hilda Brackett, again, phenomenal voice, did that song as part of a performance, but it's probably slightly problematic now because she does an accent, and it is sung by mm. someone with a Eastern accent. So that's probably why it's off YouTube. But again, good, powerful voice. Good song for a good, powerful voice. Yes. There's also a lovely moment in this scene where Hyacinth panics because she suddenly realises that um, she's serving the biscuits with no doily. A beautiful physical comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's very good. Absolute panic as she grabs the, the doily, puts it on the plate... And there's a, a clutching, clutching <laughs> of the... Uh, does she clutch the biscuit tin or the plate or the yes. worktop or a combination of all? <laughs> and, she's, and then she, as she continues sort of going back to normal, she is visibly shaken by the fact mm. there is no doily. It's lovely. Oh, it's the telephone. It's probably my sister Violet. We'll answer that and we'll be back after this. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Heads, we are talking about the fourth episode of the fourth series of Keeping Up Appearances. Emmett smashes a cup yes. in Hyacinth's kitchen. Now, that doesn't happen often. In fact, I think it's the first and the only time it happens. Yeah, and Liz, as they leave, is delighted mm. that Emmett will now know. I mean, I don't think Emmett enjoyed going for coffee anyway. No. But Emmett will have an additional worry yes. when he goes back for coffee. Yes, he'll never be the same again. She no. says, you'll never be able to drink out of a cup again at Hyacinth's mm. house. Um, Hyacinth, of course, is just relieved. The only thing that matters, she says, is you haven't ruined your musician's hands. Just, just my, my rug. rug. <laughs> <laughs> but the stain will come out. Yes, eventually. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. It is a nice moment. Um, they're having, we now go back into inside Wayne Elm, into the hallway. They're having a little rehearsal for the Commodore. And... My God, I mean, good on Richard for going through with this rehearsal. I'd love it if Mikey had allowed me to do rehearsals for when we have entertaining, but Richard's gone along with it. And <laughs> I love I love the line. <laughs> I think it's going to be inside the sitting room uh, with the fruit bowl and the and Commodore the and the bell, mm. having a chat with the Commodore with the sherry. Mm-hmm. And Richard is going to, <laughs> going to be outside the door soaking up the atmosphere. Yes. There's nobody there. There's mm. no atmosphere to soak up. Um Correctly, though, Richard points out that actually if they do chink their golden galleon glasses, they're going to break because they're so cheap. And of course, highest that we know, and I've said famously on my other podcasts, you don't clink glasses. No, common. No. In and fact, I-, I often go to clink mm. and you recoil. Yes. You do. I do. Mm. Um, when she rings the bell, she says to Richard, he has to start singing. <laughs> and she demonstrates what he's got to sing. I can't remember the beginning of the song. Hearts of Oak. Hearts of Oak. Oh, hearts of Oak. Oh, and then, ships. steady boy, steady. And then she gets Richard to try it and he goes, steady boy. <laughs> I, I, I would love me to be entertaining or you to be entertaining and a friend, Mikey, in my instance, just walking in, starting to sing. Well, I love it. At your forthcoming soiree. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Get your bell out. <laughs> steady, boy, steady. 
Onslow is driving Rose to her job mm. as a door-to-door jewellery salesperson. To hawk her wares. Yes. And she suggests that, in fact, they could save time if Onslow starts on the other side of the street. I mean, sensible. Yeah. He's not dressed for it, as we know. <laughs> no. He rings the doorbell of an unsuspecting person standing there in his vest, his cap, in fact, his usual Onslow attire. Mm. And an elderly man opens the front door and thinks Onslow's a robber. Bless. It's a nice little moment. It is. It's a, it's a funny scene. We're now back into the kitchen, and Hyacinth thinks she's going to be friends with the Commodore after this, which I think is quite reasonable. On the very few occasions that I have met any of my idols, I do in the back of my head just before I meet them think, we're going to be great friends. Well, you've already started to talk, talking about uh, Jeremy Gittins, the vicar, yeah. as your very good friend. Yes, my close personal friend. Your very close personal friend, Jeremy Gittins. Yes. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure he loved meeting us and spending yes. that time with us. Yeah, and I can't whether wait for he, his Christmas card. Whether he considers us his very close personal friends or not, I'm not so sure. He's a man of the cloth. <laughs> yeah, I see. Um, talking of which, I don't know if we've ever said on this podcast for our bucket heads, and someone asked me the other day, how did we meet? How did we become friends, if indeed I can call you a friend? Um, loosely. <laughs> so I met you years ago when you used to be a um, an odd bod guest on my radio programs. I mean, I'm still a guest. Have I just become less odd? Well, you've become less odd because you're no longer Britain's youngest etiquette consultant. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I am. Are you uh, sure? Well, actually, no, there's no, maybe probably not, younger no. now. You've been knocked off your perch. Yeah. You're an old chap now. Yes. But you were when I first met you, I think you were 21 yeah. as an etiquette consultant. It's a long time ago. And we we met, didn't we, for a coffee in London. Yeah. Because uh, I kept coming on your show and I think we'd make each other laugh and realise that actually we were very similar. Mm. And I was almost like, a, not a mini you, but we shared a lot of yeah. similar traits. Yes. You were like a body double. Should the worst happen to me, there'd always be you. Yes. That's how I like to think of it. Okay, that's nice. So we met in uh, West Hampstead, didn't we, for a coffee? Was that where it was? Yes. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Why the heck? Because that was a right nightmare for me to get to. I don't know what I was doing in that part of the world or anywhere on that line. I don't know Because I lived in Manchester at the time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but it was nice, wasn't it? And we had fun. Yes. And And now look at us. Yeah, now look at us. Big bucket Practically holidaying together. Yes. We're like Phil and Holly. (laughs) I shouldn't be surprised, Richard, if after this we don't end up as permanent friends. We don't have to be friends. We're married. Now, shall I tell you what I rather like about this scene? Yes. Hyacinth actually looks quite nice. It's a really strong... You could wear that today. In fact, I think I've seen my mother in something very similar. Yeah, I was going to say, that outfit is the kind of outfit my mother would have worn. Yeah. Maybe not the hat. For No, not the hat, but certainly the blue blazer was the kind of outfit mm. my mum would have worn with a skirt and then some some navy blue shoes yeah. to go with it's it. It's really nice. Yes. It's classic. Yes. And it is, it's nautical-ish. Classic 1990s power dressing. Yeah. And she's told that the chair lady of the luncheon club phones to to warn Hyacinth during her duty of care mm. routine that uh, obviously it's, he's a sailor and apparently all sailors love the ladies. I mean, that's not the impression of sailors I've ever had, but apparently this sailor loves the ladies. Um, and Hyacinth takes this... She's rather pleased, rather mm. flat, flattered that she thinks that she's going to be a, an object of attention. And she does a lovely, we mustn't be late for the Commodore yes, routine with her right. arm. It's sweet. Yes. There's a nice moment, in fact, before they get on to the fact that the Commodore's an old ledge. And that's when she turns to Richard and says, um, 
that it's the lady of the from the luncheon club. Mm. And Richard goes, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's terribly, uh, terribly impressed. By yes. Mm. Or, or trying or to. Not, as the case may be. Now we cut to the train station. Which train station is it? Don't know, but you'll know. Leamington Spa. Ah. And interesting, there's a connection with you with this train station. Because back in 2013, when mm-hmm. I was a, a guest on one of your radio shows, Treasure Quest, back mm. when it was just at Radio Northampton, I arrived at Leamington Spa Station in order to go to the clue that I was for Annabelle. Really? Yeah. And I arrived at that station and did, where's the press? <laughs> yes, which is the which line my, that she delivers. Yeah, my friend didn't get, but again, ah. pearls before swine. <laughs> She's really unhappy that there's no press. And she's also really unhappy there's no red carpet. No. I don't know who she thinks she's getting. No. So she goes in to uh, speak to the station master. Yes. Again, another funny little... Yes. Both of them refer to the station master. Yeah. Mm. Uh, And has he got a horn? (laughs) Yes. Haven't you even got a band, she says? Haven't you even got a porter who can play the mouth organ? And it's referred to as British Rail at that point, because I presume it hadn't gone um, private no, by no, this point. No, no, it's nationalised then, British yeah. Rail. Yes. So there we go. And we had in my in my neck of the woods, it was Network South East. Oh. Yes. Well, in fact, your your neck of the woods now as well. Gosh. Yes, the Thameslink line was Network South East. So when did Thameslink go in? Uh, Thameslink, well, it must have been probably late 90s, I would imagine, Thameslink. Became a thing, but before okay. then, Network Southeast. Network Southeast. There I might go. call it Network Southeast. Yes, yes. Sounds a bit much smarter, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, oh, yes. yes. Um, the train arrives. They don't actually know what the Commodore looks like. Of course, in this day and age, you would have sent a photograph or looked him up online, but you couldn't have done that then. So uh, Hyacinth just picks <laughs> picks out a random guy in the crowd who's got a blazer on and a beard. To be fair, he does look a bit like a Commodore. He does. There's there's something naval about yes, him. Yes, he could yes. be a Commodore. He looks like a seaman. Yes. And they start doing inadvertent busking. <laughs> yes, because she thinks if she starts singing, uh, again, I think, is it a sea shanty she's yes. singing or something along those lines, then the Commodore will kind of naturally gravitate towards like a, her. Like a moth to a flame. Richard, in a weary way, takes his hat off and people start putting money in it. And if you watch that again, watch the woman in the train carriage behind Hyacinth, who's obviously not a member of the cast, it is a real train, and she's loving the filming, and she's just, like, looking around, being really unsubtle. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You can see her. She's sort of looking off to where, obviously, the, the, the crew are, and then she stares at Hyacinth, and, yeah, it's, um, it's an amusing thing. The bad news for Hyacinth is there's an announcement on the tannoy that the train has been cancelled. It's been diverted to Middleton. Oh, I don't... Middleton doesn't exist, does it? I don't know. I didn't look that one up. No, I didn't either. It's not my neck of the woods, so I'm not I'm not sure. Sorry if you're a listener in Middleton. Yes, but they decide that um, they're going to go and have to try and get to Middleton. But when they get back outside, mm. the rover's been clamped. Have you been clamped? Um, no, no, I've never been clamped. No, I haven't. I've either. nearly been towed Oh. when I lived in London and the council resurfacing the road, and a letter had gone through to say, don't park your car there, because we're resurfacing the road. First I realised was when I looked out of my bedroom window, and my car was dangling (laughs) from a crane being lifted onto the back of a a low loader. Oh. And had you not got the letter? No, because Mm. I used to park in the next road along. 
So I didn't get the letter. But my car was dangling. Mm. Well, needless to say, it wasn't dangling for long. <laughs> yes. And how about the car? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they've been clamped. But it doesn't much matter because there's the vicar. Yes. Our first sighting of... Your friend and mine, Jeremy Gittins. Your new best friend, Jeremy exactly. Gittins. Yes. Yes. And um, she rushes over and explains to the vicar that he must drive her to Middleton to pick up the Commodore. Do you want a bit of uh, my uh, English language A level thrown in your face here? Oh, here we go. So Hyacinth says to the vicar, There's a destiny that shapes our ends, which is actually a misquote of Hamlet. Well, And from Hamlet, it's there's a divinity that shapes our end. Act five, Hamlet to Horatio. And I heard it and I thought, that's either the Bible or Shakespeare. I looked it up and it was Shakespeare. Well, I'm so pleased you raised that with us on this podcast. I'm just trying to raise the tone of the podcast. And you've achieved it marvellously. It's helping. Look, the Queen Camilla is big into reading. So I'm trying to help us get that royal warrant. The vicar drives Hyacinth to Middleton in yes. his car. Do you know what his car is? A Volvo? No, it's a Peugeot 505 estate. I think you even told me that earlier and I've forgotten. They are. They were hideously ugly cars. Right. Enormous cars. Yes, he must, obviously must have a... I think he does have a dog in one episode because the dog eats Hyacinth's plums, doesn't he? Yes. Does the vicar have children? We don't see right. them. And I don't think we ever... Because it was... A, a Peugeot 505 was the kind of car that people who had, you know, six children would have. Mm. It was one of those kinds of vehicles. You could probably have an extra layer of seats put in the boot. Like a hearse. <laughs> it was that kind of car. Anyway, he drives her to Middleton to pick up the Commodore. Yes, and uh, she will relay the convolutions of the Commodore's confusions as we go along. That's true. Nice, lovely alliteration. Um, have you also noticed the similarity between the Vickers Peugeot 505 and Hyacinth and Richard's Rover 216? What's the similar? Colour? Tonic blue. Ah. They're both in executive tonic blue. There we go. Mm. Nice. We see another station master, presumably the Middleton Railway Station, uh, Gordon Peters. Now, that's the actor. You will have seen Gordon Peters in something else. Can you work another sitcom that you like? Who is he? Similar era. So it would be One Foot in the Grave. Mm -hmm. He's um, got glasses. He's got dark hair. Sort of late 50s, early 60s. Can you show me a photo of him, please? This is going to be some really obscure person, isn't it? Well, I can only show you him old. He's got dark hair. Right. Well, I, I know Gordon Peters' face. I think he's only in three episodes of One Foot in the Grave. Uh, yes, I know, I know his face, but I can't think who he was in there. He is Ronnie from Ronnie and Mildred. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> With their matching outfits. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, who Victor and uh, Margaret always hide from. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, so he's the station master. Yes, today. Yeah, in keeping up appearances. Well, there we Little go. Little fun 90s fact. It's very quickly apparent that she's missed the Commodore. Yeah, and I love the fact she's like, oh, well, we'll just go to the lunch. Mm. I'll just turn up without him. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know that he's already there, which we then discover. 
Yes. She quickly does discover when she gets to the luncheon club because they're all enthusing having just heard the Commodore's speech. Yes. And Hyacinth looks very disappointed that she's missed it. Yes. And also has missed her opportunity to become friends with the Commodore. But she quickly gains another opportunity to do so. Yes. When she offers to drop the Commodore back at the train station. Yeah, and we know again from Harold Snowd's book that this was a large change that he put in. He didn't like how Roy Clark had done it, so he wrote the ending. Although it sort of still goes back to the sort of the payoff that um, Roy Clark originally wrote, which is incredibly problematic. In fact, I would say, well, we'll describe what happens. Well, so the vicar agrees to drive the Commodore, back to the train station. Hyacinth and the vicar are in the back of the Peugeot 505, mm. and it quickly becomes apparent the Commodore is not just a ladies' man. He's a dirty pervert. Yeah. And he is trying to, I think, I don't know if this is the modern expression, but he's trying to touch Hyacinth up in the back of the car. Yeah, more than that. And Hyacinth is really uncomfortable with yes. it. And the vicar, to the extent that the vicar clocks it in the rearview mirror... And he's genuinely quite concerned as to with his, whether Mrs. Bouquet, as he calls her, mm. is okay. Yeah. Which demonstrates how worried he is because he's even prepared to use her by the name that she likes to be known She's at. suffering enough. Yeah. Don't get her name wrong. Yes. Are you okay, Mrs. Bouquet? I would say, in, and we see, we've talked about this a lot, you see a lot of sort of men of a certain type, often problematic men mm. or weird men, advancing on hyacinth i would say out of all of those sort of scenes and thankfully there aren't that many in the in the five series this is probably the most uncomfortable yes i think it's also because the the commodore he's quite a big man and he's quite a kind of he looks like a gnome yeah but he's quite a kind of you know he's a gruff speaking masculine mm. man isn't he um he's not a kind of slight um, wimpy man. Yeah. So the fact that you've got this quite masculine, deep-voiced man in the back of the car trying to grab Hyacinth, it does seem rather predatory and uncomfortable. Yeah. It particularly, I mean, I think it would have been definitely then, but I mean, especially when viewed 30 years later. Yeah. But let's not overthink it, because no. don't worry, she always had the vicar in the front. He was always there to protect her. Yeah, and she she rather, you know, rather helpless, she just tells him to keep driving. Yeah. Rather, no, pull over, we'll throw him out, yeah. and we'll drive on. No, with her head out of the window, keep driving, <laughs> she says. <laughs> oh. What do we think about this episode in general? Um, not as strong as the uh, previous two episodes, yeah. I think it's safe to say. But there are some nice moments, some yeah. nice moments. Probably the highlight of the whole episode, actually, is the kitchen scene with Elizabeth and Emmett. Yes, and the rehearsal with Richard, with Hearts of Oak. Very And the true. little bell. Very that, That's very good. Now, if you want to keep up with the bouquets, you can, of course, listen to William and me chatting through every single episode of series one, two, and three. We'll be back next week with the fifth episode of the fourth series. What can we expect in that, William? Well, we're continuing the theme. We're going to be looking at properties. Oh, I love it! There's a bit of a strand in Series 4. Now remember, we're always in need of your help to let the very best people know about the world of Hyacinth Bouquet and, of course, our luxury podcast. If you wouldn't mind terribly inviting them over for an outdoors-indoors luxury barbecue with Finger Buffet and instructing them to listen, we'd be frightfully grateful. Keep driving, Vicar! <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.